0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. Good to see all of you. Thank you so much. It's joy today to worship with you and praise you. Just a couple thoughts going through me here briefly. You know, you may have made a bad, 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 bad choice last week. Maybe you did something that you feel like God can't forgive you. Uh, maybe you're in a cul-de-sac of life. Seems like everything, you're swimming uphill, you got big mountains. Man, just get around God, okay? Just as we worshiped in here today, just do that, do that in your everyday life. Begin to trust Him, and, and God will touch your heart, I promise you. Just keep coming around Him, all right? Just a little thought for you there. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, our ushers would gladly get you one. As the videos talked about here, we're talking about servanthood again, so get your hand up if you need a Bible this morning. Once you get a Bible, go with me, book of Matthew, chapter number 20. Matthew 20. This was presented to me about a week ago. A person asked me, they said, Have you ever gotten up on stage without your Bible? And I said, Not when I'm going to speak, I haven't. And so again, fall in love with this, okay? Don't care who you are. You get in God's Word and God will begin to get into you, All right. Make that Word priority. It's a big deal especially in the society we live in right now. All right, we're going to start in Matthew 20. I'm going to give you just a little bit to get there. Again, if you've been saved, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you're called to serve. That's not optional. That's not leave it or take it. That doesn't mean when it's convenient or when you can squeeze it into your schedule. Every one of us in here, and I believe you'll find out today biblically, we're called to serve in the kingdom of God. So, if you're in Matthew 20, we begin in verse number 20. Matthew 20, 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. Now, her two sons were the apostle James and John, okay? That's who this is talking about, verse 21. And he said to her, what do you wish or what do you desire? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine, one may sit on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Now, with what she's asking, this would be a huge place of honor. I mean, this is an incredible uh, a thing she asked for. But when she asked that, look at Jesus' response in verse 22. But he answered and said, you do not know what you ask. In other words, this is a lot more than just what you're asking. So he goes on to clarify that and he says, are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? Now when he talks about here the cup, the cup was to signify either great joy or great sorrow. In this specific incident, it was referring to the death of Jesus. So he just says to the mother and these sons, are you willing to die for my cost or my cause? And so right there, Jesus informs us that there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a commitment for each of us. But he doesn't stop there. And in verse 22, and he says, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Now, the baptism he speaks of right here is literally to be immersed in divinely appointed suffering. Two incredible things Jesus said. He said, listen boys, are you willing to die and you're willing to suffer for the cause of Jesus? And, and I think if we all knew that, or the majority of Christians knew that, how many of you would say, I'm out. I don't want to be a part of that. But watch how these two sons answer his question. And they said to him, We are able. We are able. We're willing to be committed to your cause, Jesus. Now here's two facts about that. The son James was the first apostle or disciple to be martyred. He literally died for Jesus' cause. The son John was in exile for many years, and he was persecuted severely, and he ultimately was martyred. And, and look what Jesus says here in verse number 23. So he said to them, Indeed, you will drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. So Jesus literally says, Indeed, you will suffer and you will die for my cause. But to sit on my right hand on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those from whom it is prepared by my Father." And when the other ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers because really they they were thinking the authority that Jesus has given them is given for the cause or the kingdom of God, but also for God's creation. The authority given to us isn't for us to look how popular or how awesome I am. Now he begins to dig in here, and so get your seatbelt on, all right? This is Jesus, verse 25. But Jesus called them to himself and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, or the people of this world, they lorded over them. What do they lord over them? And those who are great exercise authority over them. So he says that the ones of the world that are great, they parade that over people. They weight that around over people. As if he's saying, they're saying, Look at me, I'm the one in charge. Now look how Jesus answers his thoughts on that. Verse 26, he says, Yet, yet, it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. Wow. Wow. It's a totally different. See, the world's concept is that greatness is defined by a high position. But Jesus right here says, True greatness in the kingdom of God is the person who will have sacrificial servanthood. So now he flips it completely on us. And he says, how many of you in this room actually want to be great? Because he said, the great ones in our society are the ones who serve. Verse 27. Verse 27. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Now this is a whole different leadership, uh, uh, a leadership perspective that Jesus gives. Instead of me expecting people to serve me, He said, if you want to be great, if you want to be first, then He said, you know what? You need to be the great servant. Now anytime we get around people that start acting like All the authority and the power they've given is is for me to be self-seeking or self-imposed. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 16, specifically, he said, Avoid them. Get away from them. And he breaks it down and he says, Avoid those ones who are, are flattering with their words and have smooth speech. Avoid them. Man, what a word for for the society we live in. So when people get around you and start talking about how great they are, and if you've ever been around people, if anyone ever said this to you, you'll never make it without me. Man, I want to say, who, who died and made you Jesus today? And so again, that goes for each one of us in this room. Man, the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of God. Now watch what Jesus ends in verse 28 here and says. Just as the Son of Man, which was Jesus, he's talking of himself. Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served. But he actually came to serve. So what he's talking about here is service. And to have service, it's going to cost you something. It's going to be a sacrifice. And look at the next two verbs that Jesus gives. He said, but to serve and to give. So you want to reign in the kingdom of God? Serve and give. Those two words right there. You know what it says to me? i got to be doing something. It isn't just to talk. It's actually to begin to live it. And he said, at the end he said, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now the word ransom means there's a price, there's a cost. And as children of God, as servants of the Most High, this is non-negotiable. And so every one of us in this room, we're going to live our time here on the earth. And, and it's either in one of two ways. We're going to give everything we got just for the things of the earth, or we're going to plan for eternity. And so in looking at this, Christ's likeness is true servanthood, and true servanthood is to be Christ likeness. Now, what ultimately happens if people don't use their gifts and their callings to serve you? You get cheated. But if you don't use your gifts and your calling to serve others, they get cheated. Huh. Now, turn with me to 2 Timothy 1. And if you were here last week in 2 Timothy 1, this is exactly where we were at last week. But there's a couple little parts that I didn't read intentionally last week. I want to read them today. So we begin in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm a Christian. Nor of me, his prisoner. Now listen real close to what the Apostle Paul says. But share with me in the sufferings, plural, for the gospel. Share with me in the sufferings. Now this goes back to exactly what Jesus told James and John in Matthew 20. There's going to be some things I'm going to suffer for within the kingdom of God. And part of that is, when you begin to identify yourself with Jesus, you're going to suffer some persecutions. How many of you in the last week have mentioned, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go to a Bible study, I'm going to go to a prayer meeting, I'm going to read my Bible and people have persecuted or said stuff to you. Get ready, it's going to increase more and more, okay? Don't let that be a deterrent from you not serving God. Now we jump to verse number 9. Who has saved us. The saving there means I've been born again, I've given my heart to Jesus. And so, if you've given your heart to Jesus and He's Lord of your life, He saved you. But He didn't stop right there. He said he saved us, and he called us. Understand this today. Jesus is calling. I don't want to answer. See, guess what? We all make the choice whether or not we want to walk in his calling. So if you'll notice there are the two little words he used back to back. He said he saved us, and he called us. Us. So if He saved us, He called us. And what did He call us with? A holy calling. And know what He says. Not according to our works, but according to His own purposes and grace. So guess what? If He saved you, He's called you. And if He's called you, there is a purpose within you that's according to what He desires. And when He purposes you, He graces you to fulfill it. Now, this is what I didn't read last week. Go ahead and finish that sentence with me. Who's called us, graced us, and purposed us, and graced us which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So now he puts in there again the word us. He's graced us again according to his purpose. And know what he said there which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So when you see the phrase there, before time began, guess what? God had a plan. And God had a plan for every one of us in this room. So God's plan was this, when I saved you, I called you, and then I put a purpose within you way, way, way back before time ever began. And so guess what that means? That that purpose that God put within you, It's just waiting to be activated for every one of us. It's just waiting to be discovered to find out exactly, Father God, what was that purpose within me? And so that's something that every one of us is going to have to figure out, that there is a kingdom purpose within me. I'm not just here on this earth for 70 years to go through the motions. My life here on earth is to be touched with eternity for other people. Now, the reason I'm telling you this today is this is extremely important. Extremely important. And the reason I'm warning you about this this morning is because there's going to come a day where every one of us in this room, actually every person that's ever been born into this place called earth is going to stand before a judgment seat of God. And every one of us in here are going to be held accountable for what we did or didn't do with that purpose. And you're going to march in, and God's going to look at you and say, Felix, tell me what you did with the purposes and the callings. Now, here's the thing about Father God. There won't be any loopholes. It's going to be, you either did this or you didn't do this. So in Matthew 7, the Lord said, they'll know you by your fruits. You won't be known just by being a big talker, Betty Crocker. You're going to be known by your fruits. So remember, Jesus is calling. Now, to understand this today, how severe this is in God's eyes, look into 2 Corinthians 5. You're going to find out you are an important woman or man of God here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. These things aren't optional. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm going to start in verse number 9. The subtitle above this in my Bible says, The Judgment Seat of God. Pay close attention. Therefore, we make it our aim. We make it our goal. Maybe we should say we make it our priority. So look at it this way. There's this big bullseye in this thing called life. And he said, make this your aim. Go after it. Why? whether present or absent, whether in the body or out of the body, to be well-pleasing to Him. Now, why is it so important that I be well-pleasing to Him? Verse 10. For we must all, A-L-L all, every one of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body. My time here on earth. According to actually what has been done. So if you note here, I'm going to go before God. And he's going to ask me just exactly what did you do? And now I'm going to have to get an account to God what I did. The Amplified says, we've been busy with and giving my attention to accomplish. So the judgment here that he's talking about will specifically be done. What did I do with my time here on earth? But I'm going to throw this in. What did you do with the calling and the purpose that I put within you? What did you do with it? I don't know about you. That that puts a fear of, of God in me in an incredible way. That today I'm going to have to stand before the creator of the universe and give an account with what I did. Now understand this. You're not going to be able to say, well, Lord, I was really busy. I work harder than everybody else. You don't know, God, what my job entitles. Remember the thought, there are no loopholes. want to just be... So now I look at this, and when I go back and read it, we were all saved and called with a holy calling. And every one of us in this room are given the same amount of time on a daily basis. Every one of us in here today are guaranteed 24 hours today, 1,440 minutes. So now I have to decide, what am I going to do with my time? Now, if you've been here very long, you've heard this out of my mouth numerous times. Every sacrifice is based on preference. So the average American right now, according to Nielsen, spends 28 hours a week in TV. Maybe you spend a little more, maybe you spend a little less. Let me break that down for you. That's a minimum of four hours a day on TV. So if you watched the college football game yesterday, you maxed out yesterday in that one game. If you're going to go home today and, and, and catch two NFL games, you've really maxed out, all right? So let's just say today that you live to be 70 years old. If you live to be 70 years old and you spend 28 hours a week in TV... By the time you're 70 years old, you will spend 10 continuous years of your life watching TV. It's mind-blowing, isn't it? To think of this, to sit in front of my TV with that remote for 10 straight years. It's incredible. So again, we can, we can try to say, well, I didn't have time. But yet the average American will spend 16 hours a week just in front of the computer. That's, that's just surfing things. That doesn't count Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat. That, that's a whole other category. You know, it's said right now in our society that 84% of Americans couldn't go, without, couldn't go one day without their cell phone. And I want you to be truthful here. Tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> How many of you could not go a day without your cell phone? I appreciate some of you's honesty. The rest of you a bunch of liars. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So again, we can begin to look and we can begin to justify over and over. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Literally what I wonder if we're saying, God, I'm not willing to be inconvenienced for your cause. I don't want to do that. Remember the thought again. Jesus is calling, and you may have hung up on him, but he hadn't hung up on you. It's just as the praise and worship team. He keeps on pursuing you. He keeps you're that valuable and important to Jesus. Now look with me in the book of Luke chapter fourteen. Luke chapter fourteen, and as you're turning to Luke fourteen, the Lord Jesus he warned us about these things in. In um, the parable of the the sower in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 19. It says, this will what will choke the word of God out of your life. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things will choke out the word in your life. So when the word of God is choked out of my life, that tells me I'm not obeying the word anymore. In the parable of the sower in Mark 4 verse 20, he literally said this, that you'll be known by fruit. That his desire is that every one of us bear fruit. So when I say that, I've got to to define what is bearing fruit in God's eyes. Bearing fruit in God's eyes is how well I obey the Bible. And in this situation would be how well do I actually serve? Now, giving alibis or excuses, this has been around a long, long time. Watch this. Luke 14, verse 15. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper, and he invited many. And he sent a servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they, with all of one accord, begin to make excuses. They begin to have these crazy, crazy alibis. The first one said, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. One translation says, Send my regrets. Okay. Now think about what just took place here. How it would look in our society This would be like a person in real estate. This would be like a person who said, I just bought a new business, and you know what? I've got some status quo to meet. I've got to go and do this. Just excuse me, okay? I'm really, really busy here with this real estate investment. Look at the next one, verse 19. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them or try them. And I ask you to have me excused. Send my regrets. So how does that look in our society? Well, it would be like a farmer getting a new tractor, a new combine. It may look like me and you getting a new car, a new bicycle, a new motorcycle. Woo! We got to go try it out. Sorry, God. I got this new machinery. I got to do it. Now watch the next one. This one's incredible to me. This is a really good one. Still another said... I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Stinking got married now. Lord, it's that wife that you gave me. Can't come. I'm done. We need some quiet time, me and my wife. We need to go on a date. Sorry, God. Now we look at these analogies, and we think, wow, these are crazy, but... Is this how I live my life? Is it I don't want to be inconvenienced? And when I read these right here, am I making excuses or alibis? Because I don't want to respond to the call of God? Am I making excuses or alibis? Because you know what? I don't want to activate God's purposes within me. And so I just don't do nothing. I sit on my blessed assurance. And I come to church and I say, hallelujah. And many times we think, this isn't a real big deal to God. You want to see how big of a deal it is? Look at the very next verse. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry. That word angry there literally means to be outraged, to be enraged. It means that God was provoked to anger. So when we blow God off and act like it's no big deal, We get a whole glimpse of another side of God that oftentimes we don't want to look at. So the man Moses did that in Exodus 4. God came knocking at his door and God came calling. And you know what Moses says to him? He said, God, I can't do it. I'm not eloquent of speech. God responds and says, who do you think made man genius? And he said, go. And then Moses responds back and says, send somebody else. And so, when we try to opt out of our responsibility, God doesn't say, It's okay, live however you want. And if you looked in Exodus 4, when Moses said, Send somebody else, it specifically says, and God's anger arose toward him. So, me and you, we can try to blow it off, we can try to excuse it off, we can try to alibi it off. I'm telling you, the day is going to come where we're going to stand before God. Now look at one more passage of Scripture for me today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And while I'm reading this passage here, it's going to begin to let you know how valuable you are to the family of God, to the team. I'll say this, I appreciate all you that serve on a daily basis, weekly basis. And in any capacity, and guess what I 'm not, I'm not saying you need to do more, you just need to follow your heart. But we all must understand this: if i 'm saved, i 'm called with a holy calling, and God put purpose within us. He 's just waiting for you to jump on board. First Corinthians 12, verse 12. Whereas the body or the human body is one. And the human body has many members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So you know what he just tells us? Just as the human body has specific functions, so does the body of Christ. Now two errors that begin to happen within the church is number one, many people will say, I don't have anything to offer. No, 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 no. We got away and go all the way back. He called you and he purposed you. We saw that. It's in there. You do have something to offer. But the other area is many times we get over where we become very prideful. And there's ones that'll think, without me, this doesn't float. Without, I'm telling you, God's bigger than that. And so again, don't err to either one of those. We keep reading now. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. So the church has many types of people. Varieties of backgrounds, gifts and abilities. Do you know one thing the church has in common? Jesus. That's why we have in common And so he uses some words that used to identify people. He said, Jews and Greeks, free and slave. But now that I've given my heart to Jesus, none of those need to be my identity. My identity is we're all sons of Jesus. We're all sons of God and daughters of God. So now, guess what? We're on the same team. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So you know what he's saying? Each has a specific function. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Does it make it any less? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Does it make it any less? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? And if the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? Now watch this. But now God, God, big G, little O, D, but God has set the members, each one in the body, Just as he pleased. Each one. And if they were all one member. Where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand. I have no need of you or get lost. Nor again can the head to the feet. I have no need in you. No much rather or matter of fact. Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. The New Living says they are actually the most important. And those members of the body which we think now look at that, we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater in honor, and unpresentable parts have greater modesty. So you know what he's saying? Many times in our life, we just look at the outward things. And it's very easy for us to look and say, well, the pinky just doesn't really matter. I, I've, got all my, I've got all my fingers. Where are you at, Chandler? I know you're in here. He's right there. I'm going to use him right now. Stick up that hand that's minus a finger. Make sure it's not the middle one. He cut his finger off, I don't know, years ago. Right to here. And the reason I'm using this analogy is we have the thought, you know, this little finger's of no value. Oh, it's of huge value once you start trying to tie your shoe. All you'll wear is Velcro after that. So, again, a lot of times we look at the pink and we think, like, ah, that's no value. Oh, the head is so important, but yet he informs us here that we ought to give more honor to the parts that that may seem less functioning or the ones that aren't even seen. So outwardly, every one of you can see today, you can see my hands, you can see my face, you can see my nose, you can see my ears, you can see my full set of hair, kind of. You don't see my heart. You don't see my kidneys in my lips. They're in there. You know the truth of the matter? If you slit me today or you slit Felix today, his wrist, we're all going to bleed bread. So guess what? Every part, whether you see it or you don't see it, or whether it's a pinky or the head, it's huge. Because it is called to a specific function. Now look how he ends in verse 25. That there should be no scheme or division in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member's honored, all the members rejoice with it. So he's literally talking about a thing called interdependence. But interdependence is difficult to develop in our society because our society says, look at me, look at me. Woo, I'm so much more important. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 16? When people get over that, I'm more important. Run, avoid them. So, again, we ought to be so grateful to every person in here. I encourage you today when you go get your baby out of the nursery, greet them with a hug or a kiss or a thank you. Guess what? They're not seen today, the majority of them. I'm seen today. But I believe in heaven there's going to be a great reversal. I really do. That God's going to look at the ones who said, I went day after day, Sunday after Sunday, and I was the best nursery baby rocker that was in there. I wasn't too good not to do that. And so I fully understand this today. In order for me to do what I'm doing, and all you who work in our nurseries, you who listen to the podcast, I say thank you. It's huge to me. I pray blessings on you. Now watch how he ends this in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Never forget this. And members individually. We become dependent on each other. So you get an idea why this was so important to God. And if it's that important to God, what about us? So here's what's going to happen on that day we go before the judgment seat of God. For every one of us in this room, you don't get anything today, get this, all right? Only one of two things is going to happen when you stand before God. He's going to either say, well done, good and faithful servant. It's amazing how that that parable goes. Well done, good and faithful servant. He didn't say, well done, good and faithful fireman. He didn't say, well done, good and faithful mom. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or the only other answer is, depart from me, you wicked and lazy servant. One of the two. And so understand again today, there's a calling on every one of us in here. And when we see achievements... Achievements don't just happen, and achievements are the fruit of a person who has a lifestyle that's committed to God, that's forged in diligence, and just says day after day, Sunday, you know what, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. Now, here's the key for every one of us when it comes to servanthood do it under God. Do it under God. Because as a human being, there's times I'm going to let you down. I try to tell as many of you as I can, thank you, but don't ever think I don't appreciate it. So when you say, I'm going to do it as unto the Lord, you know what you'll do it with? You'll do it with the spirit of excellence that says, I'm doing it unto you. Woo, my, my father's watching. And I want to be well-pleasing to him. So again, you've got to serve with that purpose, with that gift. You know, you hear the, the saying, ready, set, go. I'm going to say it a little different today. Ready, set, start. I got to begin to start. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.